Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm John Quirk, and I'm the head of content at GridServe. Hi, I'm Rob Buckland, the chief leasing officer here at GridServe. The Driven Chat Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital. Hello there and welcome to this week's Driven Chat podcast. My name is John Marker and as you've just heard there, I'm joined this week by two guests, uh, one of whom is a voice that you might have just heard before. If you have been a long-term listener of our podcast, and by long term I mean very long term, as in you've listened to every single episode, including the first few, uh, then you may remember the voice of Mr John Quirk, who, uh, who joined us at the early stages, and I feel absolutely delighted to be back sat in a room with him. Hello, John. Hey, buddy. All right, pleasure to be here, really. Yeah. Honestly, it's been, it's been a pleasure to sort of see this podcast grow. You've taken it from strength to strength, so it's really good to see uh, you and Amy doing well and hopefully get to see more of you. That's very kind. Yeah, no, it's really good to see you too. Really, really good to see you. Um, welcome both of you, Rob and John, to the podcast. Uh, I guess we better start by painting the picture of where we are and what this place is, because we are in quite a significant place. Usually we have a variance of methods and, and areas in which we record these episodes. We've got a little studio space in Coventry, or from time to time we'll go out and explore and get the microphones out in a location. And that's exactly what we've done today. So we are today recording, as you might have guessed from the title of this episode, we're recording from a GridServe charging port what are we calling this grid serve uh, grid serve electric forecourt electric forecourt that's the one so we are in norwich the norwich electric forecourt in this beautiful building it is beautiful uh, just to kind of paint a picture for you dear listener i've arrived parked up outside admittedly not in an electric vehicle but i've parked up outside to this 
gorgeous looking glass fronted building uh, with more charge points than I can I've ever seen in one location with an array of EVs parked up um, who wants to take the lead on telling me what this place is and in turn what grid service well, I, I guess we can take turns if you want, Rob. But sure. it, for me, an electric forecourt is all about re- reimagining the filling station of the future. Mm-hmm. So we know the direction of travel is, is set around the decarbonisation of transport. So for things like a forecourt, it's about helping communities in, in these areas. How do we make them feel comfortable about that transition to electric? But also, how do you make them get really excited about the benefits that they could bring as well? Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you say, like one of the main issues that people find with, with charging so far is the availability of chargers. So at, uh, at Norwich, um, uh, I'm trying to think how many there are now. I think there's 36 electric vehicle chargers all, all under right. here. 22 of those are these 350 kilowatt capable chargers. So that's powerful enough for the latest electric cars to acquire about 100 miles of range in less than 10 minutes. So super fast mm. and then you've also got uh, tesla chargers you've got um ac pedestal chargers and you've got all the different connector types which obviously it sounds bewildering but there are only three real connector types sure. there's this yeah. one called ccs which is like the dominant one now uh, chadamo which is used on a lot of like japanese vehicles and then the slightly older vehicles will have, have used the the ac connector mm-hmm. so we have them all so we're, we're really trying to be quite sort of democratic in who we can get over to these spaces um, the other the other thing is around accessibility, right? Because you know everyone has to make this transition, so it needs to be easy for everybody as well. Yeah. So, on this site and and others uh, across the country where we where we've got electric forecourts and electric super hubs, you'll find these sort of priority bays, which are super wide bays that are wheelchair accessible. There's drop curbs. Um, the the actual paying terminals on these chargers are, are, are contactless. Perfect. So all you need to do is plug the thing in and tap your card and, yeah. and you're away. So it couldn't be more straightforward, really. And, and, and they're the sort of like benefits that we need to try and bring to, to the masses. And then what's quite special about the, this forecourt is that there is going to be a bit of a behaviour change. You know, you're charging for sort of ten, tens of minutes when, mm-hmm. you, when you're stopping one of these forecourts. So we're trying to basically make sure that people can maximise their time when when they are here so at Norwich for example we've got like a Costa Coffee Mm. we're recording this podcast in a rentable office pod there's an e-bicycle store next door there's a massive grid uh, grid serve car leasing um, showroom on the other side of the building M&S food you know there's just loads of things that people can like do there's a post office chat there's a post office I can't believe there's a post office in this yeah so you can get your get your packages done and all those little benefits and and all those facilities will be different wherever you go in the country because they're kind of dictated by the by the residents Mm -hmm. you know so every every time one of these things is built it goes into a big community consultation and we effectively ask the community what do you want this place to do Got it. Um, and 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 basically, what you're seeing is is the result of that conversation with with the local community. Brilliant. And J- I think Jake, you nailed that man. Like that that you literally nailed the description of the Norwich Electric Forecourt. What I would like to add, I suppose, to that is um, is is the forecourts bring the confidence for mm-hmm. people to go electric. And I think um, you know we having sites like this 
you know, where you haven't got a driveway to charge your electric car, and you can you can come here, and whilst your car's charging, and your dwell time can be spent having a nice Costa coffee or mm. posting your, your 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 parcels or whatever it might be, or even learning about your next EV, yeah, um, and uh, and the test drives that we offer from here as well. And I suppose from my from my point of my, from my point of view, um, in the automotive industry, there isn't a place really where you can go and learn about many brands mm. in one place um and uh, you know we've got gurus here on site seven days a week to to answer weird wonderful questions myth bust to educate to learn and, and and provide the confidence um and and that's what we offer here from 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 norwich and, and our other forecourt in braintree and are soon to be in gatwick brilliant well, I definitely want to pick your brains a little bit later in this conversation about the that forecourt aspect sure. of um, the, the ability to walk in and, and, as you say, a very unusual thing, actually, being able to go into one showroom, we'll say in inverted commas, but with multiple car brands, marks, you know, outside I've seen everything from MG to uh, Porsche parked outside, which is really exciting. Um, just so happens that you're doing on on today as well. You're doing some test drives, aren't you? People are yeah. turning up and testing. So before I go home, I'm definitely going to try and have a go in a Porsche. Um, the... Uh, the actual the environment we're in though yeah we mentioned the fact that we have got a coffee shop here we have got a post office here we've got an MNS food here is this facility open 24 hours if people rock up say middle of the night can they still come up and buy a sandwich or is it forecourt only at that time so forecourt only at that time but we we open till 9 i think 9 p.m. um so we're open i think from 8 um so you've got quite a lot of hours yeah, to yeah. to cover um but absolutely the, you know the other thing is when you when if you do want to access the charges at 10 p.m. at night it's in a safe location, right? It's yeah, lit yeah, up, of course. And, it's, it's, um, and that's really important yeah. uh, for people to feel confident that they can they can come and charge without being, you know, behind a travel lodge or something like yeah. like, like yeah. it used to be. Um, yeah. So there clearly just needs to be more of these around around the UK. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it's been a common comment and a, you could say complaint actually from a lot of EV drivers and especially let's say more vulnerable people who perhaps yeah they get they get to the, the a long drive home they realize their battery's a bit low right got to find that nearest charge point and it's as you quite rightly say often around the back of either a, a fuel station or a hotel or uh, in some cases like a retail park which of course at that time of the night is completely shut and completely closed yeah. and you do perhaps feel a bit volatile there you're sat in your car in your very expensive car uh, waiting for it to charge without the ability of going anywhere whereas here yeah it feels very kind of welcoming and uh, it's a nice environment to to be in um so yeah I, it's exciting it's kind of feel like we're at the I'm, I'm seeing the a little glimpse into what will be very much the norm in another 10 years or so from now and then you know i think 20 years from now it's going to be there'll be uh, buildings like this cropping up all over the country which is Absolutely. really really cool uh, before we delve into the kind of talking topics that I've got lined up one thing I like to do is just kind of get a bit of an overview of um, you and your passion and what's got you to this bizarre field in which you work so I'll, I'll take it in turns I'll start with you John if that's okay uh, two questions I'm going to ask the first one is can you give me an early core memory because I genuinely, we've known each other many, many years, but I don't know the answer to this question, so I'm looking forward to hearing the answer. Can you give me an early core memory, something that might have switched on the little light bulb in the back of your mind that has ultimately led you to the field in which you work now? Oh, it's got to be parents, hasn't it? It's got to be my dad, really. Dads are always everyone's heroes. So um, when I was growing up, he had the the first-gen Honda VFR 750, and I I just love those, and, you know, 
they'll be properly 80s now, like looking in sort of in <laughs> retrospect. But um, yeah, he always just let, let me sit on him. And when I was old enough, I was allowed to go out on the back of him with, you know, at um, uh, my mum wasn't too keen on that, obviously. But <laughs> it was, it, I think that is just one of those really, really strong memories. And also um, he used to, they must have been company cars because he, he used to also let me drive his <laughs> his company cars on Southport Beach. Pretty and I was probably like, you know, I was on his, you know, I was sat yeah. on his knees driving on the steering wheel. So I must have been, you know, I, I guess of a sort of eight or eight or nine at the, at the time. So, um, but yeah, so they're, they're very vivid, vivid memories in, in, in my head. Yeah. Love it. And then, of course, so you ventured, I guess you're going to be best known to many of our listeners as a journalist, as somebody that's had a career writing about cars, reviewing cars, and of course motorcycles. Very fittingly, we can see why. Um, so, talk to me about the transition then from that side, which is fairly common. I think a lot of people don't realise this. A lot of people will start off in a editorial field, journalist, writer, um, and then they venture into specific areas. We, we see it a lot in press offices and PR departments, don't we? People that look after press fleets for car manufacturers were once upon a time a journalist or once upon a time a writer. What was the transition like for you to go from somebody that was writing about cars, reviewing cars and bikes, to then be in an organisation like this one? Uh, I guess well, change is constant, isn't it? I, and I and I I love I love change. Um, and I I felt like with with my editorial career, so I had obviously I did a lot of stuff with um, Auto Trader. I was editor in chief at Auto yeah. Trader and then editor in chief at, at Motor One and. And 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 did a, um, a you know my tutelage was well my, my schooling was at Auto Car Magazine which was just a, an amazing experience and got to work with all these characters that I'd been growing up reading you know so it was very much like you know what what had become me looking at this stage of characters suddenly I was being allowed to come and and play play with those guys yeah um, and it was it was um, it was amazing amazing experience. Um, but I think, yeah, as, as you've seen, well, as I've seen in my career, it's kind of migrated from sort of magazine print to digital to mm. podcasting and vodcasting and all this yeah. sort of exciting stuff now. So you've got to keep moving. Um, and as I'm getting into like this, this later stage uh, of my years, I'm now a parent and I've, I have become more aware of, um, you know, climate change, um, the the the, the issues that are going on are, are around in our society around like um, noise and air, like air pollution mm-hmm. um, and I've actually been diagnosed an asthmatic in my adult life really and mm-hmm. um, I've lived in London for all my working life and you know you've got to put those two things together really and sort of go well why is that yeah. and it is because of you know the cars and the vans and the buses that are all driving around that need to decarbonize and um so i i see like a real sort of um i want to use you know my my tools in whatever capacity i can to be that sort of force for change yeah so my first sort of move i'd say out of journalism was to help this um joint venture between the uk government and um um, the Society for Motor Manufacturers and Traders mm-hmm. talk about uh, electric vehicles and help consumers make um, make that transition to electric vehicles. It was called Go Ultra Low, mm-hmm. um, and that was like a really good like grounding for me to sort of understand policy and open my eyes up to an industry and, and an area that I I just had no clue about. Mm. Um, and as I was there, I was seeing this kind of like company in the background called GridServe, and they had this render of this big electric forecourt in Braintree that was you know going to be conceived and the the owner was named after a service station up on the M1 <laughs> and I was like what is you know this is wild what yeah. is going on um, and I was really intrigued to learn more and 
and when I sort of dug more into the company, it was legit. Yeah. You know, um, and and everything about the company was predicated on sustainability, mm. and it just really excited me. And I just thought I'm actually going to have more impact being able to change behaviour, change perceptions, working on this side than I actually am working in government and policy. Wow! Um, so that's that's the that's the direction I took. Love it. Really cool, and it's great to hear that that story because it's it's a great one because you know it only. You know, thinking back to when you when we first met, I think you were editor in chief at Auto Trader. Yeah. And I guess the 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 main bulk of everything that was coming in from a road test point of view, be that two wheels or four wheels, was all petrol or diesel. Very few EVs, I think perhaps at the time that we first met, which would have been 2017, 18, perhaps EVs at that point are just starting to kind of become a, a normal thing. We can see them in we can walk into a Nissan showroom and get a micra, a note. Uh, and they're kind of there side by side for the first time beforehand it was kind of like oh EVs are that weird little gee whiz thing that we occasionally see driving yeah. around Notting Hill and that's about as, as, as geeky as it gets um, and then came Tesla Model S right in exactly whenever that was 07. Yeah. And, and that's when that's when it blew up because it was that showed how exceptional service integration could become and it yeah. started to change the narrative around cars because it became more of you know cars as tech mm. rather than cars as driving devices and then there was a little bit of a divide yeah and i'd say those those two you can have it both now in a, in a way i would argue you know yeah, the, yeah. the the traditional oems are really catching up um uh, to, to tesla in that fight and then with service providers like gridserve providing like those charging solutions i think we can we can compete on that on that charging platform as well so yeah, yeah. it's going to become much much more of a level playing field i think so i think you're absolutely right um, Rob, what about you? Let's go with early memory. Sure. Um, what might have uh, been that trigger point to lead you along the path to the world of automotive? Automotive, wow. Um, so uh, it, it was, okay, so I, I was in the army from school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent four and a half years in the army um, in the household cavalry uh, in London, um, which, was, which was interesting. Um, and I literally fell into this industry. You know, I came out of the army and I didn't really know kind of what I wanted to do. Um, I, I enjoyed cars. Uh, and I remember someone offering me a job at a Honda dealership um, and uh, offering me a car. I was like, why not? Let's get involved. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and I think from there, I've, I'm, I'm a very curious chap. I like to kind of challenge the norm. Um, and, and that's that's definitely in my makeup. I'm not sure where that comes from. Um, but I think um, being in the automotive industry, I, I spent only six months at Honda, but I soon moved into the BMW brand and worked mm-hmm. with Mini. And uh, we, we helped Mini come into the UK and, and take off, um, which was great. Um, and, you know, I think uh, we, that was in the dealer group. Uh, but I was quite intrigued about, okay, how do, so that's a dealer, how does the actual OEM how does that connect with the dealers? Mm. And then actually, how does the OEM finance arms connect with the dealers? Uh, and then how does, and then leasing took off. And then how does, how does actually leasing kind of connect all these, these up as well? So I've kind of done it all mm-hmm. um, since 2001. And, um, and that for me is like quite a nice rounded um, view of the automotive, automotive sector. And in actual fact, how we can then challenge that even further. Mm. And, and that brings me here. Um, and, you know, I think... My, what what really intrigued me very similar to to, to John, um, you know I, I went to Braintree 
to meet Todd Toddington. Uh, I went to Braintree on the day that Boris announced the 2030 ban, uh -huh. um, and it was just, I was driving as it happened. I was like, "Wow, that's that's there's, there's the stick." <laughs> if right? there's, a, if there's a message go. in the stars, sure, it's, it's, it's now. It's, it's happening, and yeah. and I went to Braintree, and they still had all the wrappers on and all that stuff. It wasn't fully open, um, and. And, you know, again, similar to John, you know, I've got two young children mm. and I'm very aware of, you know, what society have kind of done to the planet today. And, and we haven't got long really to kind of make a change. What is really nice to hear over the last few days is that what we have been doing is making a difference. Mm -hmm. We've just got to accelerate it. We've got to get on with it. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, having two young children has been the most inspiring thing in the world to become a dad. Mm. Um, but, you know, I've got a 10 year old who actually adores this brand grid serve and what we're doing um and that is so powerful yeah. and it's actually it's it's nice for him to to see you know uh, that that what i'm doing is is applying everything that i know in the automotive space into something that's actually going to make a difference mm -hmm. and in actual fact you know when he starts driving likelihood is it's going to be just evs right um, yeah, yeah. and uh, and you know he's going to have to adapt to that and 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 that would that would be all he knows and and same for my daughter who's five um so yeah, I think um, that's kind of it about me. But you know, I think for, from from a grid surf point of view, you know, we're we're, we're part of a brand that's so exciting, mm. um, and we're part of a brand that's actually just, you know, regardless of what message has just come out from government, we're accelerating. We're sure. just cracking yeah, 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 on. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've still got a climate emergency. We need to fight, and we need to get on with it. Got it. And it's quite refreshing actually hearing the story that you're not perhaps come from the typical roots of like being influenced as a a car child or you know, you've kind of gone into it with a, almost like a fresh set of eyes which sure. is often the absolute best case scenario for so many brands and not just automotive but taking somebody in who perhaps is fresh to the industry but just has the right mindset in okay I see what you're doing but have you considered doing it like this sure. and you suddenly get the people that have been in it for years and years and years going it doing everything by the book oh but we've always done it this mm -hmm. way then going oh yeah <laughs> that's a good idea which is really cool I think that's really really interesting um, so just to make it a bit more uh, a bit more casual and fun let's talk about what uh, mode of transport you used both of you to get here today I know oh. the answer to yours already John but I'm going to ask you the, <laughs> you the tell benefit the of the deal I look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a live wire one so brand new electric bike. So used to be Harley Davidson, yeah. but now they've sort of splintered off Livewire into its own sub-brand. That's a wild one, isn't it? So, because I genuinely don't know the answer to this, and I'm hoping you'll be able to tell me. So is so Harley Davidson still moving forward as a brand producing petrol-powered or gasoline-powered motorcycles? Yeah. And then Livewire, because the Harley Davidson Livewire came out, got that brilliant bit of PR with uh, Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor running around South America. So now Harley have just said, actually we're going to push the two brands separately. They're both in-house Harley. Like, looking at the front of that Livewire, it is very much a Harley-Davidson Livewire. It's got the same headlight unit, everything else, isn't it? Yeah. But the, the, the two brands have now completely separated. Exactly, yeah. So it's the it's um, that bike, what we see, Livewire 1, is the same bike that was launched by Harley-Davidson, I'd say, three years ago. So okay. there's, there's a few little branding differences, mm -hmm. colour and trim. But ostensibly, same bike, yeah. same battery, same platform. Um, still really exciting but um but yeah i think what's probably happened is that maybe it's been a, a step too far for that traditional harley mm. davidson audience because if we're talking about traditional audiences there yeah. isn't more traditional than a harley customer yeah, you, know, you know they really like their chrome and their questionable clothing <laughs> so so yeah maybe yeah, was it doesn't like a leather waistcoat yeah exactly <laughs> oh, yeah. chaps come on um yeah so live wear mate it's a it's a good idea i think really to sort of get it splintered off so you still leverage all the 
you know, the expertise yeah. and the and the tradition from Harley Davidson and and on the whole the back end of the services servicing, um, but you have this brand that can be you know more aggressive, more youthful, more vibrant, nice. and it's not going to rub up the traditional Harley customer in the in the wrong way. Yeah. Um, so Livewire One is very much the start of that new brand. So they have launched another bike as well. It's called the Del Mar, mm -hmm. which has a bit more of a flat track vibe to it, which will look pretty cool. We'll have to get one in to have a yeah. have a little uh, ride around. Um, but uh, yeah, so but very exciting, cool bike. Cool. All right, we'll pick up on. I know I definitely want to have just we're going to go off the rails at some point in this conversation and just talk about bikes. It's going to happen. So I want to explore the whole EV bike thing because I find it interesting. Uh, Rob, did you drive here in an EV today? I did. I did. Of course I did. God, so unbranded. Um, so unbranded. Yeah, it wasn't quite two wheels. It was definitely four. And uh, <laughs> it was definitely, uh, I, could I could actually look after my hair style <laughs> uh, without having to wear a crash helmet. But um, it was a BMW i4, um, which yep. is which a, cr a cracking car. And, you know, J JQ mentioned it earlier about Tesla Model 3s and, and, and that brand and, mm. um, and the tech, etc. around it. Um, we've got a now a car that actually does challenge Tesla in, yeah. in, in the BMW range. Um, and yeah, it comfortably can cover 270 miles plus and you know, without stressing or worrying or anything, it's, it's a really cool car. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was, that was my mode of transport. Love it. And it is a significant car because it was the, in fact, it was one of the first uh, EVs that I uh, had on review. And it was, I was really excited by it because of the fact, the simple fact that it looks like a car. Uh, it's really important. It is, it's so important, isn't it? And I think this is something, I guess a lot of people don't care. Mm. If a, a lot of people going out and they want to buy a car that's going to get them from A to B. Sure. And if it's an EV, that's, that's a bonus. And they don't particularly care what shape it is. Um, but for old fuds like me that are just like, oh, I like the shape of a car. I don't want, I don't necessarily want a big blobby SUV. And all the EVs seem to be appearing as exactly that big yeah. blobby SUVs, including some BMWs, let's be honest. Um, the, the iX came along and just yeah. like oh, wow okay that's a, that's a new looking thing isn't it and then suddenly the i4 came along it's like oh my god it's a three series it, it makes sense it's it's yeah. an actual car that we recognize yeah um, and you're right you know I, I don't think we talk about this enough in fact we, we we gloss over tesla as a brand quite a lot as a podcast as i think a lot of automotive publications do as well uh, because tesla don't really look at the automotive press in the same way that other car manufacturers do they, they're not reliant on those good reviews because if people want to go and buy tesla mm they tend to just go and buy Tesla. Yeah. And, and that, that tends to be it. They do their own PR very well. Um, so uh, it, it's, it, it is quite amazing when, you, when I hear those kind of topics of conversation of saying, you know, BMW clearly looked at what Tesla were doing. This new boy on the block, new kid on the block's come along and it shook up the world with, mm. hey, we can make an electric car and it looks like a car mm. and it will have a great charging infrastructure and it's going to work. And it's, it's amazing to think that that brand new Californian tech company has essentially influenced car brands that have been making cars for hundreds of years. Sure. It's, it's mad. It's amazing. Yeah, and I think um, just on that, actually, I think to, to, to get the mass audience mm. uh, uh, excited about going EV and moving from combustion engines to uh, the traditional vehicles into the, into the EVs, there needs to be more cars that just feel normal. Yeah. Um, and BMW... The i4 is exactly that. And there's others, there's clearly loads of others out there yeah. that just feel normal. And that's important because, you know, people, it's a big change anyway, right? You Huge. know, you're changing your driving behaviors, your habits. Mm. Um, so if you're doing that in a wacky EV, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's quite a big change. So yeah. the more and more of these 
you know, traditional vehicles that are coming to market with the of an electric drivetrain is important. Yeah. It, and we as as humans, we're a bizarre species because we we get excited about the future and about change and we all get excited about the idea of being in like a sci-fi film that we've been watching since kids. And then suddenly the idea of, well, hey, look, you can drive this car and it's the shape of an egg and it's yours. And you go, <laughs> I want to drive that? That's mad. And it's, it is amazing. As much as we like to think of ourselves as like ever-developing beings, we do not like change. Absolutely right. <laughs> and I remember having this conversation with Ian Callum, actually, a huge, you know, big-time car designer, designed most of the, uh, the most beautiful Jaguars and Aston Martins we've ever seen. And I remember putting that question to him and saying, you know, why aren't we now seeing more radical shaped EVs? And his answer was because, well, the public won't buy them. Mm. You know, we, we are too, we're far too boring in that sense that we get excited about the idea of change until it happens. And we go, oh, but it doesn't look like a car. And it's exactly what I did. That's why I got excited about the i4, because it looks like a car. I should be the yeah. one at the forefront of uh, of the motoring press going, no, I'm going to drive this car. And it's the shape of an egg. And it's brilliant because it is. But I don't, <laughs> the reality is I don't want to drive a car in the shape of an egg. And neither do lots of other people. People are really chasing, or designers are really chasing coefficients of drag now, aren't they, for, for the yeah, electric vehicles? Yeah, of course. So you just, you're starting to see quite a lot of pebble shaped car yeah, design coming yeah, yeah, through. Yeah. Turns you know, out pebbles are quite aerodynamic. Very aerodynamic, <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, it's nice to have a few angles every now and then, it isn't is. it? So it's it good. is, it is. Um, so let's talk about the, the kind of and it doesn't have to be um, I'm not asking for opinions as per GridServe it can be your own personal opinions it's just I find it a fascinating talking topic. It's one that I frequently get um, asked about socially family members down at the pub that sort of thing where people you know, talk about the whole ev argument i think there's definitely still a very large portion of people both who are within the automotive industry either as um, press media engineering driving who who knows um and people that aren't in the auto- automotive industry who are perhaps still a bit skeptical about the whole EV argument and saying, oh, wow, well, look, no, sustainable fuels is a thing now and e-fuels is a thing, so we can forget the whole EV thing. And, you know, there were the, the big arguments and the big conversations that frequently come up about, oh, oh yeah, okay, they're green because they're no tailpipe emissions, but, you know, that and that's a, that is certainly something that I'm sure we'll address in, in time throughout this conversation as well. But where do you see the kind of the future predictions of what's happening to the car market or the changes that are happening now? Because I know we are going to talk about the you know, your particular role, Rob, with regards to leasing. I think that's going to be a, a great talking topic in itself. But do you foresee the world gradually trickling over to a big switch into into EVs? Can you see it happening in from an opinion point of view? Uh, do you think it's going to take a good long while? Do you think we're going to have a, a huge overlap for quite some time with ICE engines versus EVs? Where do you both sit with it? I don't know who wants to start on it. I think I do think the direction of travel is set for electric vehicles mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, we've got carrots and sticks, obviously with varying timelines sure. dictating it, but it's it's setting that that pace yeah. for and and the market has already reacted. Right, you've got mm. big companies like Ford that have taken they've already taken out say Focus and Fiesta out yeah. of production now, which were their two biggest selling you know combustion cars mm. because they're pre- preparing for this electric vehicle future um electric vehicles like last year in the uk were like 16 percent market share mm. they were already they're already the second most popular like powertrain mm-hmm. choice after petrol um and already this year we're seeing the the sales volumes year on year up about 40 percent so you can see a, a clear hockey stick trend yeah. happening now with electric vehicles that said evs don't have to be for everybody right now no Okay, so it's not, you know, whenever we're talking about this um, 
deadline, arbitrary deadline of mm. 2035, it's it, it's kind of meaningless anyway, right? Because it, you ch- you change or you switch cars when you feel the need to or when you feel confident about it. It's yeah. not as if everybody has to rush and go buy a brand new car tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. When when you know whenever we're t- we're told to do so, there's going to be a lot of internal combustion engines in that car park for many many years and similarly you know the enthusiast market you know all those like low volume sports car manufacturers like the caterums and the morgans and you know they they still need a future as well so i think it's going to be a it's going to be a mixed field but for you know and and i think it's important to have you know mixed mixed technologies really um but what i do see is the 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 predominant method for for passenger cars for sure is going to be electric Mm -hmm. you know where we used to drive around in our little, you know, Clio's or Vauxhall courses, like, are we really going to miss the fact that we're not in a sort of a two-cylinder, 1.1, you know, petrol anymore? I don't think so. And I think the benefits that you get from electric, you know, cleaner, faster, you know, price parity, it's Mm. coming for sure. Yeah, it is. Um, And just fundamentally better, better packaged as well. So um, there there are a lot of benefits to to be had. and and just a, a quick point around like obviously like new car sales. Say the UK goes through about I think it was about 1.6 million mm. um, cars new car registrations last year. You got to think about the used market mm-hmm. is about like seven million Huge, cards. Yeah. It's yeah. it's much bigger the used car market. So we need like these early adopters. We need people that are excited about electric cars to buy them now. Mm. To basically create that used car market in the future for those people that might be a, like a, a little less certain about it. By which point there'll be so much more charging infrastructure covered. Yeah. We'll have so many more of these electric forecourts. If you had an electric forecourt on your doorstop, you would you'd have no no dramas about switching true. to electric tomorrow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and it, th- let's talk about that kind of used car market as well because that's an interesting one. It's one that is definitely a big talking topic. We're seeing. Well, across the board, regardless of, of powertrain or what's fueling the cars, we're seeing a little slump. I think we're at the beginning of seeing a bit of a slump with regards to second-hand car values, whilst the the big delay from both COVID and some uh, semiconductor shortages and various other bits and pieces that slowed down the manufacturing process for cars, that seems to have levelled out now, which in turn has caused a bit of a dip in second-hand prices. What are things looking like? for uh well with regards to secondhand evs because i know certainly in the early days that was a real concern point for a lot of people saying well you know uh, my mobile phone battery dies after two years so surely my car battery is going to die we are learning now that it's the two aren't really comparable are they um but are we seeing is there are there good savings in secondhand evs and why there certainly is there's just not a lot of solutions out there to fund them Mm. like from my point of view uh, in the car leasing world, um, and, and we can touch on that later. Um, I think there's also not a lot of um, solutions around uh, consumer insight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can buy a second-hand vehicle, you've got all your service history, and that's how you generally know that the car's been looked after or whatever. Yeah. Um, in an EV space, you're, you're, you, you don't know the health of the battery. No, of course. You have no yeah. idea. You don't know how it's been used for two years. You don't know the state of health. Um, and we are working on solutions to bring that to market um, because it's important um, that someone 
someone buys a second-hand vehicle, they know exactly what they're getting. They know how the vehicle's been used, etc. They know the state of health, and, and that's really important. And, and so much so that you know that in the leasing world, um, it, it's the regulator BVRLA, um, and that they are actually looking at how do they put that into the policy, the mm. leasing policy. Um, you know, the, how, how the battery's been maintained, how it's been looked after. Um, you know, but. Yeah, there's there's a lot to do in the used space, a huge amount to do, and and even from the funder's point of view, you know, the the funder, they fund these brand new vehicles, they they negotiate discounts on mass, they put it into the market for for people like us to to put to consumers and and fleets and and salary sacrifice solutions, but that's only the first life, mm-hmm. you know, and then all these vehicles come off uh, contract and and they go into the auction, and because there's no clarity in actually what is the battery health and stuff it 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 worries people about buying those vehicles Mm. um and that is causing a bit of a problem but there are solutions there Mm. are solutions and it's it's definitely something that we're working on we work very closely with the largest funders in the uk to help support that we're just dedicated grids are just dedicated to battery electric vehicles so we're seen as a as a bit of a a go-to brand in the market to to find solutions and we're actively finding solutions for that but in in theory a used car quite like a white goods Mm. should come with a de facto standard of rating yeah why not yeah you know and and consumers need it Absolutely, absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about the, the the difference in percentage of cars being sold uh, or leased, let's say, as, as company cars or, or leased vehicles versus cars that people are actually going into a showroom and buying as a personal vehicle. Mm. Are we seeing that gap close a little bit now? Because yeah. I know that for sure it's been a very much a dominated by if you have a limited company and you can get an EV, you essentially get a free car in some cases. There have been a lot of incentives from sure. a from companies and employers and employees having electric cars, are we now starting to see more of Mr. and Mrs. Jones going into their BMW dealership and buying an i4 as opposed to the new 4 Series? Yeah, I think um, well, it, the, the EV registrations to date have been vastly dominated by mm. business contract hire, limited companies, yeah. salary sacrifice solutions, uh, company car solutions, uh, because the benefits are great for an EV, right? 2% yeah. BIK. Um, it's, it's, a cracking, um, it's a cracking way to Benefit get into an EV. Benefit in kind. Benefit in kind. But um, yeah, I think uh, there's just so many great benefits to adopting an EV through a business. Mm. Um, and and where, where there needs to be a lot of work is in that consumer space. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what we have here. You know, yeah. we, we, we are, you know, our, our passion is being able to help consumers come in and learn and develop their understanding um, and feel confident speaking to gurus who aren't salespeople. Mm. They're here to guide and, and just share knowledge um, in a really nice space. And that's how we'll help drive consumer confidence to go electric. Absolutely. A, a grid serve guru is basically like an Apple guru, you see, sure, John. Brilliant. So they so they receive like loads of training around all the latest electric cars, the latest brilliant. charging technologies. So they're uh, effectively, you know, your walk-in encyclopedia on mm. all things cars. So you could come to a, a grid serve forecourt 
and just have a conversation with that person and yeah. talk to them about your needs like you know how how many miles do you do normally in a working week you know what do you need your car to do yeah. and they from that information they can give you a selection of cars to, to check out and as, as rob said they're not on commission they're, no, they're exactly. just their salary yeah and they can just show you and they and because it's a multi-brand yeah, setup there's no bias there is no bias yeah. so they can say you can check this car company out or oh have you even heard of byd mm, which yeah. just all of a sudden has just come out of nowhere and is really impressive for, yeah, for yeah. the money so it's just it's just having that that level of of, of detail that is sometimes missing should be said mm. uh, in traditional car showrooms i think we uh, as yeah. a company we are investing a lot of money in educating mm. people because we want this transition to be easy yeah. and, you know that's the reason why they've built this content team to try and help people you know make, make that easy transition into yeah. electric vehicle and understand this lingo because it's a it is a new language yeah. you know and people are going to have to like learn learn some of it and we're going to try and simplify it as much as we can absolutely pr has never been more essential has it in this this time of transition i think yeah we, we've kind of skirted around it perhaps inadvertently the the, the difference in opinions of let's say younger drivers and let's say that the drivers that are going to be driving in 10 15 years who are now very much kids living their best life the way that they look at cars in the future is infinitely different to the way even us in our 30s think about cars and the way that we look at cars because of course we're so used to everything being a particular way um yeah it's going to be really interesting so i guess yeah you got that 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 role that kind of pr and communications role is about allowing people to come in who have been a bit set in their ways mm. and going look it's not that scary we're not telling you to buy our brand and not the other brand because we're not the brand we're just the advisor i think it's a great thing it's, it's, really it's falling through the cracks at the moment as well i think that's what we're what we're tending to see we're actually experiencing at these forecourt sites a lot of people are charging here for the very first time yeah so they have literally picked up their car from a dealership they've not been given a sufficient handover wow. and they're coming here and they're speaking to a grid serve guru and saying what do I do? Like, how do I charge this thing? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's where we sort of see there is a real, real tangible need for this kind of information. Definitely. Yeah, incredible. What I'm going to do, if it's okay, I'm going to dive to a very short advert break just to allow a, a quick and easy, convenient place for me to place an advert on this podcast. And then when we come back, we will talk about, I want to talk, I want to explore your role a bit more, Rob. I want to talk about the fact that uh, car ownership is changing. We've kind of skirted into it a couple of times in this conversation already uh, but talking about the leasing talking about how you dear listener might even benefit if you are an employee of a company if you utilize a company car scheme if you currently have a company car through work how you actually could win the game with the help of evs and with the help of gridserve which is of course why we're here today so um bear with us dear listener it's going to be a potentially a 30 second break or a couple of seconds depending if the advert lands or not but when we come back uh, more on this and um probably a bit of nonsensical chat about motorcycles as well because that's just what we do life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss 
the Driven Chat podcast. And we are back in the room, back in our little, uh, how are we describing this? Pod. It's a pod. A, a in meeting a pod. pod, yeah. A meeting pod, which yeah. is beautifully sound deadened. Uh, if it wasn't for the, the, the little drone of air conditioning and the occasional coffee grinder machine, well, we're not complaining about that because there is essentially a Costa Coffee shop right behind mm-hmm. us, which is keeping us all fueled beautifully. Uh, but yeah, what a brilliant little space in this uh, very, very brilliant building. Now, uh, before the advert break, I kind of teased at the fact that if you, dear listener, happen to be a a, a person that enjoys a company car or perhaps has a company um, that enables you to have a bit of budget into involving a car into what you do, uh, then this part of the podcast could be quite interesting for you because you may be able to learn about some benefits that you perhaps aren't aware of. I heard a little bit about it this morning and put it this way, it's already got me thinking, hey, I, maybe I don't need a three litre diesel Land Rover Defender as my company car, I could have an EV. Um, and I feel like we're about to learn why. So I'm going to look at you here, Rob, because I think you're sure. going to take the leadership on this one. Um, and I, I guess the, the, the title for this particular segment of the episode is Car Ownership is Changing. Yeah. We know that. I think everybody knows that now. I think it's become very normal these days for people to consider the option of leasing a car rather than going out and buying a car. Um, almost nobody anymore is going into a showroom with a big case of cash or you know, bank, account, bank account equivalent and doing a bank transfer to take a car away. Everyone's looking at the finance options, spreading across payments, that sort of thing. But talk to me about leasing an EV sure. and how that differs to perhaps the normal leasing that we might be used to in a petrol or diesel vehicle and where some benefits might jump in. Sure, yeah. So, okay, leasing an EV, I think, just works perfectly. Um, and if you think about... Yeah, we mentioned at the start of the of the session, um, you know, the, the the EVs that are in the market today, and and what was available three years ago, is vastly different, mm. um, and that's going to continue. You know, that's going to continue to change. Every year, there's new product coming, BYD, and all these other brands yeah. coming to the UK, um, bringing more and more choice and accessibility. Uh, because of the price um, and I think and the range is great and the tech's great and all of these things so leasing is is a usership model rather yeah. than ownership um, and leasing works really really well um, certainly on an EV because you know you're ultimately uh, the funder does all the work pretty much you know so when I say funder we've got the Lex Auto lease the Alphabet the Santander's the, these characters out there that that do all the negotiating with brands mm. en masse so, you know, you've gone on the days where you go into a dealership and you're haggling with the salesman yeah. and all this stuff. You don't need to do any of that. Um, and leasing is so convenient. So, um, you know, all of that's done up front. They, they, they uh, negotiate with these brands. They uh, put, put deals into the marketplace. Use people like us to surf, surface them to, mm-hmm. to, to, to buyers or consumers. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, they set the RV position and you're simply funding the, the usership of it. Um, so, you know, you've not got depreciation worries. You've mm. not got any of that to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, like now, for example, we've got this used car issue where um, values are plummeting a little bit or, yeah, yeah. or it's, it's a bit unstable. You haven't got to worry about all of that. You know, you literally use the vehicle for a set period um, and, um, and for a set term, set mileage. Um, you, you set the, you set the uh, initial rental you want to put down um, and you ultimately get the payment that you're happy with. And that takes care of everything. Um, and you can throw service and maintenance into it. Um, so in theory, you could you could have one payment that does everything. And 
you know it's it's just great and then if you take that into the into the business world um you've then got situations where you know all of that's done for you and you simply um pay two percent benefit in kind to run a vehicle mm-hmm. um you know if you take the car that i drive for example that equates to about 30 pounds a month tax. really it's great. It's, it's awesome. And why wouldn't I do that? And then, and then, you know, I've then got a home charger at home, and I can. I've never had someone come and fuel up my petrol car while I'm sleeping. <laughs> Just simply <laughs> plug my car in at home. It's so convenient. Um, and and there's solutions like that. And then, e- even even further, we take that situation even further. Salary sacrifice. It's another one to get to make a, a, a kind of a company car option open to more people because mm-hmm. um, in effect it is that it's a company car it's a company car setup you know the the, the contract is between the client and the funder uh, the employer and the funder not the employee so you know the, the employee does no credit check the employee does no um, um, no deposit yeah it's literally you know you you choose the vehicle you want it gets deducted before tax um, so if you're a 20% taxpayer, you save 20%. If you're a 40% taxpayer, you save 40%. Um, and all of that's included in terms of service and maintenance. Um, you can get a home charger installed at your home uh, within that as well, within, wow. that, within that agreement. We, we give three months free energy across our whole network, which spans the entire length and breadth of the UK. Um, and, um, and we plant 100 trees to offset any carbon from the production of the vehicle. And so we've got solutions for consumers, We've got solutions for company cars, and we've got solutions for salary sacrifice. Amazing. And is this, is this partially like a trickle-down incentive, like government incentives that you're then able to push forward to the, the front-end user that perhaps a lot of people just aren't aware of? Government incentives don't really exist anymore. Okay. Um, but, you know, I think these, uh, you know, I think salary sacrifice has been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, cycle-to-work schemes and yeah, that stuff course, are all salary yeah. sacrifice. Where it becomes really, really appealing is on electric vehicles because of the low benefit in kind. Mm. Um, and uh, and there's a, you know, a couple of things there. It, for an employer, it's great incentive for uh, attracting and retaining staff to mm-hmm. offer something like that. Um, it's, a, it's a great incentive to improve their environmental credentials as a business. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and like I say, it gives, it gives an employee who wouldn't normally get a company vehicle within a package it gets them the opportunity to taste and feel that company car mm. solution, um, and and it, and and it opens up to to them and their families. Um, so, you know, and the other thing is like, you know, if I could I could do a salary sacrifice through GridServe, through my scheme, um, and 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 that would be a car for my wife or or my son or my daughter when they yeah, start yeah. to drive because they may not be able to get a car. So you can use it as a perk to just to get people in 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 green vehicles mm. and, and that's that's really important so um yeah it is it it opens up to so many people it's amazing so let's imagine uh, we've got a listener at home who is perhaps has a company car through their employer where do they start who do they need to talk to first do they need to go to their employer and just say sure. right d- there's this thing that we might need to be aware of or do they go to you Where's, what, how does sure. the process work yeah so we 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 kind of we get approaches from employees mm-hmm. to say, how do we encourage our employer to go to, 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 to roll this scheme out? Um, a lot of it, there's, I think there's a stat the other day, is about 70% of businesses are wanting a salary sacrifice scheme. Mm. There's so much, there's so many, there's so many providers out there. 
um, and you know, which is great. But a lot of them are big; they're funders in themselves. You know, a lot of their their lease codes, lease companies, um, and we are quite agile. Our scheme's very, very agile. You know, it's it's. Um, well, firstly, you've got you know solutions like what we've got here today. Mm. You know, we've we've held a session here today uh, with local businesses uh, talking to them about our salary sacrifice scheme. In our environment, mm. we've got 30 vehicles outside that yeah, they can come and drive and explore, um, and no one else is doing that. No, and and I think so. Yeah, you'll go back to your question about how do people come to us? Yeah, we've got a sales team here who could talk to an employee um, about the scheme and help help them encourage their employer. Um, employers are coming to us as they have done today. Um, you know, a whole panel of 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 of, of uh, local businesses have come today to learn about our scheme um, and it's really simple you know mm. I think you know we can help our, our platform allows allows us to support you in or you as an employer mm -hmm. allows uh, allows us to help you support you on your policies on the scheme rules how you implement it um, which all sounds really scary, but it's really not. Mm. Um, you know, we, we can help set up your scheme for you in the platform. Um, and it, it, it basically, by answering a few questions, it writes all the policy, all the terms and conditions for you. Wow. Um, and then it's simply just offering out to your employees. Um, get them ordering cars. Get them coming in here to explore which car works for them. We're taking it a step forward as well, because that's great that we've got a scheme there. But we actually need to it, help... The, those employees determine which car, which package, which solution yeah, works yeah, yeah. for them. So we've, we're developing a, or we're bringing a solution uh, like an EV readiness survey. And what that does is basically it asks a few probing questions. So, you know, what car do you currently drive? You know, and how do you use your vehicle? So what sort of journeys do you do over a certain period of time? Mm -hmm. And what that, what that kicks back is... Um, a lot of insight around okay so you drive this car you drive these three journeys over a monthly period which equates to I don't know a thousand miles a month um, and that suggests that you should look at this car this car this car um, and in actual fact you're only charging it once on the public network which will cost you this much money and mm -hmm. if you had a home charger installed it would cost you this much money and save you this much money from the vehicle you were driving yeah it's so cool um, and uh, we're bringing that into our salary sacrifice proposition because yeah, you know, we what we've learned from having the scheme live in since July is we've got 20 clients. We've got about I know, 1,500, 1,600 employees on that scheme. Yeah. We've got good uptake, but we want to go more. We want yeah, we, yeah. we need to help more and more people uh, answer those questions and, and find the right vehicles that suit for them. Love it. Talk to me a little bit about, I guess, I, I want to explore some of the arguments and the counter-arguments and people that might come forward and go, well, look, I love the idea of this, but... I don't have somewhere to charge at home. I mean, I again, perhaps just to give an easy example. So I've just bought a house, and for the first time in 15 years, I have off-street parking outside my front door where I have the availability to perhaps install a sure. charger and plug in at home, which is great. But up until that point, it's never been an option for me. I've been mm. in apartment blocks with underground car parks or um, on-street parking or terraced houses. And there'll be many people listening, I'm sure, who are in exactly that scenario. They yeah. don't have the off-street parking availability at home. Tell me about the, the public charging infrastructure. Is that improving? And what about the cost of charging? Because I know that from a journalist point of view, having electric cars on test up until recently, and I still haven't 
had an, a, a charger installed at home. Um, but for me, and, and as it would be right now if I were to take an electric car home today, I would still be relying on the public charging network, which, no secret, is quite an expensive system to use. If you want to charge your car from zero to full at a motorway services, it is the same, if not slightly more at the moment, than, say, filling my tank with diesel. Sure. Is that getting better? And what does the future look like in terms of if we all decide, right, let's all go out and get ourselves an mm. EV, but we live in terrace houses or apartment blocks with no on-street parking, or no off-street parking, I should say, how is that shaping up? Yeah, it, it'd be wrong of me to sit here and say it's it's not looking great as a grid service mm. energy, but we, we, are, we are doing everything to accelerate more and more mm. uh, charging points across the UK. Um, so... You know, we have our two forecourts, which is, which, is, which is awesome. We've got Gatwick coming. We've got others in the pipeline for next year. We've got the electric highway, which spans from Lands End to John O'Groats across motorway service areas. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some retail sites that we've, we've recently put charging into. So um, Dobby's is a garden center, which is great for us because it, it's whilst dwell time, they're mm -hmm. out shopping, their cars are charging. Yep. Um, so we are... We are single-handedly challenging um, or accelerating the growth of our charge points to make, to, to bring the confidence for more and more people to go electric. So, if you haven't got a home charger, um, there's you know, uh, is this vast amount of opportunities out there to charge your car, whether that's with us or other providers. Mm -hmm. There's more and more charge points uh, uh, popping up everywhere across the UK, um, and it's becoming far easier. Um, of course, we're always going to be chasing the, our tails because yeah. more and more EVs are coming out onto the road today. Um, so, but for us, we, we're not standing still. We're mm -hmm. accelerating it as fast as possible. So, yeah, JK. Yeah, I'd say like uniquely as well from, from a charge point operator perspective, um, GridServe wants to be energy independent. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're actually building, um, you know, in, industrial scale solar farms. All across, oh, wow. the, all across the UK. And, and the energy that's generated from these solar farms with battery storage, that's the energy that's actually going into the chargers all around the network. Cool. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, like it's, a, it's a powerful story, but it's also it's a true story. Mm -hmm. um, and we're acquiring more solar farms now because we're charging so many, so many vehicles. I think yeah. last month we charged 150,000 vehicles. Yeah, you know, so that's happening each month along this grid serve electric highway that is that's just started really. It's only yeah. just getting bigger and you can sort of see with the growth curve in registrations when we're, we're gonna need more energy generation as as well to support course, that. Yeah. But I think the um the, the nice thing about having our own solar farms is that there are gonna be those occasions that if it's our own energy, we might be able to dictate those prices at some stage mm. as well. So that's definitely something that we can we can look into about controlling the prices a bit more you know at a later stage yeah that's really important i think it's it's great that we're able to have those conversations and those bring up those talking topics and that was of course one of the other it was a segment that i, I would be berated if i didn't bring up a couple of the common but what about questions which sure. of course i'm sure you guys must get all the time but certainly we get as predominantly an audience of um classic car lovers and yeah. sports car lovers it, there's always that argument of wow you know people nobody wants to feel like they're the bad guy nobody wants to feel like they're destroying the planet by keeping their old car on the road and often there wants to be a, a counter argument of yes but where is the power coming from i guess there's that argument answered yes we're at a transitional stage where at the moment we are still seeing fossil fuel power stations giving power to the grid that is very much a thing sadly um but the infrastructure is changing you know i think I, and I think just as a personal prediction, I think 
another 10 years or so, perhaps the perception of things like nuclear power might have a slightly better PR story than what it has by a lot of people at the moment, um, which to me seems like a really green way of producing electricity. It makes sense. It, it's quite easy to do in comparison to building solar farms and building wind turbines and things. Um, but what about the other common questions, the things like the, the, the PR challenge that comes with where the components for batteries come from, how they're put together, the, the journeys in which these boats are being sailed around the world in order to get materials to be refined into batteries before being shipped back to factories to be put into cars that are then shipped off to final locations. Is that getting better? Well, oh, you've opened an absolute <laughs> minefield there, dude. Uh, in terms of the, the, the supply chain and mm. the geopolitics surrounding supply chain, you've got to sort of look to China yeah. to sort of say that they have a, a lot of those areas sewn up, which is which is why we're seeing so such strong advances from those yeah. like in-house companies like your BYDs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, because they because they have that supply chain, and yeah. and interestingly, a lot of the the premium manufacturers over on in Western Europe are using those batteries. You know, BYDs are are supplying batteries in in many cases to to other interesting to other brands. Um, it's yeah, I I don't know how you. Well, what we're what we're seeing as well is there's there's nations that are trying to get in on on the act on mm-hmm. on certain sort of minings of lithium. So like in Cornwall, they're trying to okay. open up a, a lithium mine over there, aren't they? To try to get to claim some sort of ownership around yeah. Yeah. this like land grab of of raw materials. Sure, but because so much money is wrapped up in the value of the battery, it's about a third of the price of a car is mm. is the battery. I think it's going to spawn this huge recycling element yes. now because no one wants to just continually mine course, you know yeah. um, mine new materials virgin materials when we have this sort of car park fleet and and because of the value inherent in the batteries i, I think it will create this entire industry that's mm. dedicated to to remanufacture to reuse and that's that's the kind of sort of circularity that the industry is is desperate for sure and and some manufacturers are, are further ahead on 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 that journey um, than others i'd say yeah I think that's fair. I've, I've seen, I don't know if you, you've seen this as well, but there's a couple of companies in the US that have developed this amazing um, refining technology, taking expelled batteries, old batteries, and essentially separating the components. Because the components themselves still have a use, whilst the battery in a, in a state, a solid state, will come to the end of its life. The actual precious metals and components inside that make that battery a good battery are still valid they can then be reused and repurposed into new batteries they just have to be pulled apart separated and then put back together again and as you say john i think we're going to see that become more of a common thing and i often use the same argument especially when talking to people a couple of generations older than us who kind of shrug and quaff and joke about how it's all terrible for the world and we think about the comparison to even 25 years ago we look at performance cars and the plain and simple version of mpg now versus mpg then if if even if we look back at the early 2000s and supercars that were coming out with like four mpg on a car that could do 190 miles an hour and now we can go out and buy a car that can do 250 miles an hour and basically cruise along doing 40 odd mpg which is like it's just mind-bending the technology is always getting better the advancements are always improving and i feel like there is a lot of people at the moment that are putting the argument across that oh god but it doesn't make sense now so it's never going to make sense but the reality is it is changing but yeah i find it really interesting to hear from 
guys like yourselves who are in this world to see if there is anything else that perhaps we can then educate our dear listener and go, well, look, yeah, okay, things aren't ideal right now, but here's why it's already getting better. So we are starting to see that unfolding. Yeah, totally. And like, as as a, you know, um, how to say this, like as a generation, right, I, I think if if the solution of what we what we have now is to simply shift everybody from you know petrol burning cars to electric cars mm-hmm. and and that's what happens i d- i don't think we've actually solved anything i don't no. think that is the future i think we have to look about with decarbonization transport we have to look at other transport forms like you know new new modality um, public transport needs to sort of mm-hmm. play a much stronger part car sharing ride sharing electric bicycles that we've got on sale yeah, here you know yeah. that these these are all going to be absolutely critical to to helping us like get to this to this point it's not simply about moving a person from one one box to the mm. to the next box we need to think harder than that for sure yeah and just on that point actually i think that's um certainly a mission of mine um in in grid service okay we lease cars it's cracking um but it's it, there needs to be more than that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there needs to be, um, you know, our solution right now is a test drive solution right here. But, you know, my goal is to take that test drive into a subscription, take that subscription into a flexible lease, take the flexible lease into a leasing service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can be car sharing, it can be car clubs, it can be all these things. You know, take Gatwick, for example. You know, uh, my goal is to try and bring a car club solution to that because, you know, again, if someone could fly in from Europe, our forecourt is right there on South Terminal. They could take an EV from us into the city um, for a meeting, three days, bring it back, and just fly back to Europe. Mm-hmm. These solutions have to come, um, and because one size doesn't fit all. Leasing no. isn't for everyone. Um, leasing is for the majority, uh, but it isn't for everyone. And it might be that actually someone wants a car for 12 months with the option to, to be able to terminate it after six months. That doesn't exist today. Mm-hmm. You know, these solutions don't exist apart from a subscription. But in actual fact, subscription is 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 interesting as well because the average contract on a subscription is about 14 months that's not a subscription that's a lease Um, and and but it's a lease with flexibility so Mm. um yeah it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of um there's a lot of speak out there and a lot of a lot of references to all of these services but it all really comes down to leasing it's just more of a flexible a flexible package um so for me my dream like i say is to take someone a consumer here that's that's got their coffee and they want to go out for a test drive the ability to be able to extend that test drive because they want it they want more of it they just want to actually use it over three days so we're trying to bring that to market and then the ability to be able to take it from that to say actually quite fancy this Mm. let's get it on a three-month lease for example and it turns up next week Um, and and it's these sort of things that we have to bring Um, because we you know good serve we want to be that go-to brand that people just trust to be able to come and get all the knowledge they need to from here um, and you know they take a package from us that has all their charging included and all that type of stuff that's that's one payment yeah gives you all of that and that's that's where we're heading that's really cool i really like that so to kind of pick up on a more let's say positive outlook on things because i guess this your job i don't envy your job john especially with the, mm. the pr role of you know trying to educate and trying to um settle the concerned minds around this terrifying new world of ev for a lot of people what are your uh, be interesting to hear from both of you your kind of future predictions your positive future predictions let's say even 10 years from now of how you think the infrastructure the world of evs the world of motoring perhaps is going to be different to now 
knowing what you know at the stages you're in in your career with GridServe, how do you, what do you foresee as, don't worry, it's probably going to be good because? Or is that more difficult to answer than, it, than I thought? <laughs> no, well, you'd, you'd expect in another 10 years' time that charging an electric vehicle is just going to be as easy and as commonplace as going into a you know a McAdee's drive-through mm. now do you know what I mean it's just sure. something that is inherent it's you just you just know what to do you know what what the process involves yeah. and and what you get out of the back of it so I think I think there'll be a lot more there'll be time for the consistency element mm-hmm. in terms of the regulation the size of like the charging areas the more flexibility on these leasing leasing vehicles that are available yeah but I think you'll see a landscape that is predominantly electric mm-hmm. I think um and I, I dare say that you'll be driving an electric car in ten years, John. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe a lot sooner than that after the conversations that we've been having off, Mike. Today, I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe I could get myself in a little i4 or something. Yeah, you'll be walking straight from this pod into a test drive. I think let's do it. Yeah. yeah what's, what's also cool is that obviously, GridService been as, was founded by two brothers. Uh-huh. So what um, that one's called Toddington, who's the sort of he's the 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 main ceo front of house yeah he he steers the ship on a day-to-day basis then we've got heston who the other brother and he's he's already sort of 10 15 years in the future Mm. so i I think you know the forecourt that we're sitting in now will Mm. be fundamentally different in that 10 years time i think this yeah even this feels like the future now yeah it's not going to feel like the you know the future in in another 10 years time i think that this will be reinvented once more because we'll have faster charging speeds you know we'll we'll have more more charging available there'll there'll be there'll be much more requirements for that area to do we'll have Mm. depot charging for trucks in 10 years i imagine you know so it's going to look it's going to look wild yeah and what i guess on the same along the same lines what do you see happening right now or the the world of evs as it is right now what do you see needing to change really quickly to make your lives easier in both convincing people to get into an ev and have a go but also to change that kind of public perception of evs what do you see as being the the, the things that need to change really quickly for me price yeah you know i think price is a barrier right now for for, for many you know, if you can think you can go and get on a lease, for example, you can go and get a Vauxhall Corsa, petrol Corsa for, I don't know, £140 a month, mm-hmm. but the equivalent EV is 300 Yeah. You know, that 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 needs to change. Of course, Southstack solves a lot of that, uh, but Southstack isn't available to everyone, right? Because, um, you know, some people might be, you know, unemployed or whatever. Sure. And, you know, they don't have those solutions available to them. Um, but making making it more accessible for more people has to happen mm-hmm. um, so more product needs to come to market at price point funders need to come to market with um, you know compelling offers um, and you know and my job is to how do I package all of that up into one price so it just makes sense um, yeah. and uh, and we're, we're doing a lot of that now but more needs to happen used cars <laughs> so much more needs to happen in that area um, to, to make it more accessible for more people yeah I I guess I would I'd love it if it wasn't the the subject of electric vehicles and decarbonisation wasn't so politicised. I know mm. we've sort of skirted around the edges of yeah, yeah. you know the, the changing of the bands and stuff, but it's it's a bit of a political hot potato, and I don't think it should be. I think it's one of those those subjects that everybody needs to get on board. You know, mm. we need to achieve net zero as a country by 2050. We know transport is like the biggest sector for emissions in our country. 
like this is one of the main levers that we can use to, yeah. to try and address it. So um, I think all all political parties of you know need to just get get behind it as an as a as a sort of fixed agenda in a way and, and stop using it as a, a bit of a political ball to, to whack about. Sure. Yeah, makes sense. I'm going to kind of uh, alleviate the difficult questions now. Try and make it a bit more fun, and I want to explore the the fun side of EVs. And I think this is a perfect time for us to bring up the fact that you, John, have travelled here today on an electric motorcycle, which I yeah. think is a it's it's something I've I've had such a a real tiny tiny glimpse. I've ridden one electric motorcycle, probably about. 25 meters in an underground car park yeah because a friend of mine joanna had one as a press bike and said have a go on this we lived in the same village have a go on this rode it around the car park thought oh that was quite good and that's it that's all i've experienced and to me electric bikes have been around for a good few years now i was thinking by now as the kind of the toy side of motoring surely there they should be everywhere right now but that hasn't really happened does it so no, but I, I think it's it's the P word again, isn't it? What Rob's referring to. It's around price because mm. so much money is sort of wrapped up in in that battery, and and also you know, like small small motorcycles and scooters are, are, are comparatively like very affordable mm-hmm. and quite fuel efficient. So it's it's quite a, a difficult ask mm. um, from an electric product. Having said that, um, I've ridden that obviously here from like London to to Norwich today. It's a, this Livewire one and. I, I am convinced in in terms of the if you were if you needed like an electric scooter now or, or a commuter yeah. I think electric is absolutely fantastic yeah, yeah. because um, yes it's quick obviously like you roll on the throttle on that and you can hit sixty two in like three seconds wow. but you know that, that's such a it's such a normal conversation to be having now about electric isn't it like performance has become this kind of de facto you know democratizing benefit mm-hmm. of anything electric. So what's m- most impressive t- to me about the this Livewire one is is the low speed balance because when you're out going around town, obviously, you you, you know you traditionally you'd be sort of like you know balancing your clutch yeah, cable all you know course, yeah. uh, all, all the time and 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 you know sort of trying to na- navigate through through vehicles and and filtering and and on an electric bike because you just have that immediacy of torque and mm-hmm. the, the simplicity of just like a roll on throttle, no cl- clutch lever whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just so easy, and yeah. and the weight is quite low and centralised, so it's very well balanced. And and the most the most important thing was I didn't even think about really, but it was you know when you're sat on like a big motorbike and you're sat at a traffic lights or you're in town for a while, there's a lot of heat leaks, isn't there? Yeah, that you there get is. into your trousers apartment, and and it's not pleasant. No, yeah. Whereas yeah, and right. so after you know half an hour in in town on that, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so much nicer to ride. I'm and not yet, cooking my testicles. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not on fire. <laughs> and um and as you know, that was like a really sort of strong incentive to just go gosh this this actually is this is a better experience um and yeah it, it managed i went over to to the gatwick electric forecourt the other day actually on mm-hmm. it um, just to have a look at, at progress um and you obviously so you could sort of scoot through london and then like whip on the throttle and you know instantly you're up to like motorway speeds and yeah. there's no fairing on it so obviously like any naked motorcycle you yeah. get bashed about a bit at sure. those sort of speeds um but in a way because there's no noise um maybe that gives you a better sort of semblance of speed mm. you know when you're back at those levels yeah um I th- so you yeah. mentioned the, the price point is the struggle so hit us with the headline oh, on that one it's, it, it hurts man it hurts it's twenty three thousand pounds for a live wire one yeah, it's yeah a so money, it's it? a lot of money and you know when you when you look at other bikes 
for that money, mm. you, you're you're looking at top end performance bikes, you know. But yeah. from the likes of you know the, the Ducatis yeah, of yeah. this world, uh, super desirable. Yeah, so yeah. it is it is a big ask. I think you'd you really need to be sort of like wedded into that technology mm. um, for the time being. But you know, give it a few more years, um, and I, I certainly think lower down the pricing spectrum when you look at other electric bikes. I mean, I'm really excited by this one called a BMW CE04. I don't know if you've seen that. Is this the, the scooter? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, an yeah. electric electric Wild scooter. Wild thing. Yeah. But yeah, su- like super cool, yeah, like really yeah. modern and progressive. I wish like BMW Motorrad's designers worked on the cars because they yeah, just need, they? they all need sorted out. <laughs> yeah. Apart from your i4, Rob. Thanks. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just think those 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 scooters are like. Um, you know, stylistically, they look. Mm. You know, they're really contemporary, really strong, still practical, yeah. um, and that I think is going to be the sweet spot for for ele- electric bikes. For I sure. think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of companies that we saw companies like Zero, didn't we, coming along a few years ahead of everyone else, going right, we're going to make a electric sports bike, and in, on paper it kind of made sense. You're like, ah, oh, this sounds good because, as you say, that immediate performance, immediate torque, they look quite cool. That low down weight the heat saving which is a massive thing it's a difficult thing to try and get your head around if you're not a motorcycle rider but going yeah if you can sit on a even just a ducati panigale that's just been running for a couple of hours just sit on it with the engine off you'll soon learn what we're talking about it's a hot thing to sit on um but then i guess there's been the struggle with you know the beauty of motorcycles as we've always known them as a recreational fun weekend toy is the ability to have a full tank of fuel you go out for a ride you do 150 odd miles like right time to put some fuel in the tank you go to the petrol station you fill up and then you carry on there's it kind of feels like we need to catch up a bit don't we for the bike world because there isn't really a quick and easy solution it's not a case of i guess a lot of people might think well it's a smaller battery surely so you can plug it in it's going to take 10 minutes then off you go but that isn't quite the case is it no so the the live wire's got a, a battery size of it's 15 kilowatt hours mm-hmm. um and that's good for a range of around like 90 to 100 miles mm-hmm. per per charge so ordinarily that'd be absolutely fine because I, I actually think like right sizing of batteries is really important from the on the car's perspective we've gone into this like crazy world where we're getting like hundreds of kilowatt hour mm. battery packs when the majority of driving is going to be you know 50 miles a week or something absolutely. so you don't you don't you shouldn't need a battery that big yeah. so i kind of get i like where livewire is going on that context the the issue that it's got is that the the maximum charging speed is around 20 kilowatts right so it just means that even on a on a dc fast charger here um it would take you know I'd say it would take up to an hour to, okay. to charge the Livewire one. And bear in mind that the, the, the chargers that we have at, say, Norwich Electric Forecourt and all, and all the other sort of super hubs around the country, they're up to 350 kilowatt capable. Mm. You know, so Livewire with its 20 mm. kilowatts, it, you kind of show where the, where yeah. the gap is. Yeah. So, but as soon as they address those those matters, and, and it will happen. It will. Because they're now this sort of independent electric only brand. So yeah. they're going to get that software right and yeah. they're going to get the charging right. Um, I think it, they'll really come into their own. And as, as you say, that Livewire 1 is that legacy product from Harley-Davidson. Mm. The next one is is their own. Yeah. So let's see where they go in terms of those like ultimate charging speeds and, and battery sizes. Yeah. And, yeah. It's going to be that the day that I can have a, a bike, even if it is only still going to have a range of 100 miles, but the ability to charge in five or ten minutes. That's it. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's it. it it's the, that's the answer, isn't it? Yeah. Because even yeah. now, if we're going and filling up a, a motorcycle we're riding with petrol... 
it's five minutes in a forecourt. By the time you filled up and gone in and had a chocolate bar or had a coffee or something before then getting back on the bike and faffing around with your gloves and helmet, you've spent five minutes there. So if we can get that time span to uh, to plug in, that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, exactly. What about sports cars? Do you feel like we're going to see more EV sports like car basis? Totally, and I'm I'm really excited by that as well because you you, you know you've seen what's possible now with say Alpine and the A110. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they can do that with a combustion car, um, and obviously Caterham, Caterham started that Alpine A110 as a, as a joint venture, didn't they? So yeah, of course. And now Caterham have, have, have shown their own electric offering, what they, they could be doing. That's exciting, because mm. then you're talking about sort of lightweight yeah. electric sports cars. Mm. You've seen the technology come through from Hyundai, you know, with the this um, Ionic 5N, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they're doing gear ratios in an electric single-speed motor. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's going to be fun. They're trying to inject, you can see what they're doing, can't you? Mm. They're trying to inject these elements of control sure. that get those motorist, motoring enthusiasts excited. Mm. And it, it's it's working on me. I'm, I just, I can't wait to drive those things and see, and see what they're like. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen much of an appetite from your side, Rob, of people coming in going, right, I, I, I like the idea of switching to EV. I might have, you know, they might perhaps got the uh, some sort of employment incentive. How many are coming to you going, I want the fast one, I want the sporty one, yeah. rather than I want the one that I can put the push chair in the back and the golf clubs and everything else? Yeah, well, you know, uh, if you look at Salsac, a lot of the cars we, we put on the road are Porsche Taycans, right? Is so, that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely they are. Um, uh, yes, absolutely. And as you know, like JQ says, there's so many cool cars coming. You know, I've I've enjoyed some nice Audi product in my in my past RS4 Avants and stuff, mm. which I actually adore. Um, but uh, but I've made the transition to an EV and I love it. Yeah. It's such a nice place to be. You know, uh, and and just driving them is great. You know, you've got instant torque if you need it. I actually find myself slowing down to be fair because it's just less stressful. It's mm. nice. Um, it's a good place to be, and I think. Um, and they're really enjoyable. You yeah. know, this BMW I have, I love driving it. It's great fun. I get to drive some lovely cars like we like we have here today. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think the 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 brands are trying to bring product that excites the enthusiasts, mm -hmm. um, such as the N, the Hyundai Ionic 5N. Um, you know, I think uh, that stuff and the MG MG4 now that's just come uh, the, the X Power, which is ridiculously quick like three, yeah, yeah. three seconds or something stupid um not to 60 so you know i think there's some really cool stuff coming the hot hatches you saw the renault yeah. uh, the little oh, cool man and uh what's the other one the golf gti mm, um yeah. so cool that you know that these things that's what i mean about these things need to come uh to to attract the masses absolutely yeah yeah it's exciting times yeah i like the idea of the the hot hatch yeah revelation totally of, you know, that that the world of hot hatches is what's got most petrol heads into mm. cool cars later in life. We've all started somewhere with a little front wheel drive, yeah. something a bit quicker than it probably should be for its size and weight. And the minute we start seeing more of that coming in the form of EVs, I think that's where it's going to get really exciting, especially for the, the new drivers, the drivers that are going to be getting their license in three or four years. If their entry into fun cars is a little hot hatch EV, then... That's the that's the, the argument done, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and and as the charging infrastructure across the country improves, there will be more incentive for companies to right size the battery because it will bring mm. the prices down, and it will make cars more fun because they're lighter. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So um, I, yeah, I think it. I think the future's looking good. Yeah, no, I feel like I feel like it is. I feel like I've learned a lot today, which is cool. I, really, I enjoy learning things. I enjoy seeing things from a different perspective, and I really hope that uh, that you, our dear listener. Um, you've you've learned something as well and perhaps been able to at the very least 
think about EVs in a slightly more open-minded way. Um, I guess it's worth kind of extending an invite. If there are, I'm sure we do have many of our listeners that perhaps want to explore that option. They're thinking they've perhaps been on the on the cusp for a while, thinking, oh, maybe I do want to explore this EV world. Um, if they want to take advantage of GridServe services, what's the best way of doing that? Where do they start? Yeah, so we have um, a website, gridserve.com. I think uh, we have, we're have we all over social, um, all over the social channels. Um, so, yeah, please just reach out to us. Um, we, have a, we have a really cool team of um, leasing experts um, that, uh, you know, that, that can advise a consumer, they can advise fleet, they can advise um, employers to, to adopt a, a salary sacrifice scheme. So whatever the need is, just get in touch. Perfect. So if you want to, uh, yeah, bully your employer into getting a salary <laughs> sacrifice scheme and get yourself into a Porsche Taycan, like I'm just about to do right now, um, then uh, <laughs> give, give these guys a call. It sounds like, yeah, what, what have you got to lose? Awesome. <laughs> um, thank you both uh, so much. Thank, thank you, you for job. giving me, uh, uh, well, welcoming me into this amazing building, giving us a, a quiet corner of your uh, of your space. It's been amazing to... Uh, great to see you, John, and great to have you, you back well. on the Congratulations podcast. Congratulations on the house, by the way. Oh, Get that you. one quiet. I know. Yeah, there's certain that's, things that's that big news. Certain things I don't shout about on socials, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, bought a house. Woo! Uh, just need to get a, a, a fast charger installed at home, and then we've got it all. We can see you out, don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. You heard that, listeners? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, great to see you, John. Um, great to see this is fl- this is flourishing. I have great uh, confidence that GridServe is going to be uh, moving forward with you, um, doing what you do for them. Um, likewise for you, Rob. I think this is uh, it's been great. It's great to get your your intel and get an understanding of how this works from a consumer's point of view. And I hope that at least a small percentage of our listeners have gone ah right, okay, actually yes, I'm going to pick up the phone. Uh, and if you do, tell them where you found out. You know, tell them you heard them on the Driven Chat podcast. And um, I'm not saying you're going to get anything in benefit for that, but it'd just be nice to know that it's worked. It's it's uh, it's always great to hear when these things work out the way we hope they do um for now i will say thank you so much john thank you so much rob it's been thanks, great thanks, to thanks. talk to you i'm i've no doubt that the future will see us having more conversations perhaps as times are changing as it's ever evolving uh, we'll have catch-up sessions on what's changed what's new um what can i bully my employer into allowing me to have next you know that sort of thing i think that's that's what we need to do um so this has been great um as for you dear listener thank you ever so much for joining us uh, once again if you would like to show your gratitude and uh, your your thanks for this episode you can do so by leaving us a nice review wherever you're listening to this particular episode they do wonderful things for us and for the algorithm that nobody understands regardless of whether they tell you they do or they don't they don't because it's complete nonsense but nice reviews make us feel nice so that's always good and much appreciated don't forget you can see everything that we do driven.site and our social feeds at driven chat as well uh, scroll down to the show notes below and you'll see all the social links for grid serve as well as the website the the website that we've mentioned as well Uh, so all the links through there we've made it nice and easy for you just scroll down have a click and you'll be able to go through and explore your potential new world of electric motoring how exciting thank you both and thank you dear listener and we shall speak to you again in about a week's time the driven chat podcast powered by paramex digital
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, wow, you've made it to the end, the very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.